The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Well, good morning, church. So good to be in here this morning with you to discuss the goodness of God. What an awesome topic to be able to be a part of. I love how Pastor Derek just started off this whole series last week with just seeking God. And, and what we're going to do over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at seven attributes of God. And I know God has a lot more attributes. We're going to just hone in on seven of those. And, and this week we're going to really look at God's goodness. And, you know, as I was studying this this week... Uh, the staff, some of the staff, a lot of our staff members went to a silent prayer retreat. It wasn't silent. We talked a lot. Um, but uh, actually, the, the, the head abbot there walked by and he goes, I know you guys are not on a silent prayer retreat because you're talking a lot. They were kind of giving us some looks about how loud we were. Um, but we were having a good time. But we, we took some, a couple days and just spent some time in prayer, just getting away and really focusing on God. And, and I took this time to really focus on this topic of the goodness of God and and I sat down the last night with all the staff, and uh, I wasn't going to share this, and they just kept asking, you know, what's God been doing with you this week? And so I, I began to share, and, and uh, I said, you know, I said, I, I started out with this topic thinking I'll nail this down the first day, no big deal. And when I sat down to look at this topic, God really began to deal with me. And he began to say, how are you going to speak about my goodness when you yourself have forgotten about it? And that was a hard thing to hear. And I began to sit there and begin to cry. And he, re- he, remembered, he reminded me of some stories about my life and some time periods in my life where he was there and he was asking things of me. And so during the message today, I'm going to interject some of my story of my life over the last 20 years that God just revealed to me how he is good and how he had been working in the background all this time, and how he's sovereign and showing those things to me uh, this, past, this past week, and uh, what a ride it was, uh, what an emotional roller coaster it was. But the story starts out, I was 14 years old, and God was demanding something of me in my life. I had been dating this girl, and um, neither one of us were bad people, but we weren't good for each other. Have you ever been in any of those relationships? <laughs> You're like, yeah, this seems good on the outside, but on the inside, I know that something's off here. And uh, over an 18-month period, I knew that God was asking me to give this relationship up. But as a 14-year-old, I really wanted to fit in. I just moved to this new school over a year ago and was really trying to build some relationships and some friendships and Heck, at that time, everyone was starting to have these girlfriends, and, and, uh, and so I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be cool, but in the background, I knew that God was pulling on my heart saying, I want this from you. How many of you have ever been challenged with that by God, knowing that he's wanting something from you, but being unwilling to release that? You see, intellectually, I knew God was in charge. He is God after all. But I dreaded what would happen once I turned over the steering wheel to him. I didn't, I, didn't want, I didn't know what would happen. The unknown was uncertain, and I really was kind of scared. See, there's a private battle that every true follower of Christ must face and win. There are no exceptions. The battle is for a heart. And that's what God wanted. He wanted my heart. See, some people call it surrender. Others call it being all in. Others say it's being totally committed. 
Jesus said it's picking up your cross, denying yourself and following him and saying that he and he alone is the Lord of your life. See, there's an entire world system, though, that's in place that has this whole deal about fear of missing out. And that's where I was at. I was in this fear of missing out. And what would I miss out on if I gave this up? You see, people are always in this mindset of fear of missing out. We put our kids in every sport that we can think of, every activity we can think of, because we don't want them to miss out on things. We fill our time schedule with everything that we could possibly fit in because we fear we're going to miss out on something. We don't set boundaries in place because we're so scared of this fear of missing out and putting aside time to spend with the Lord. People are online all the time. You know, it's kind of scary. Apple came out with this new time tracking on your phone showing where you spend all your time. Take a look at that if you're an Apple user. Uh, It can be very eye-opening. Uh, I think I was ready to take my Facebook app and every app I have on social media off, just seeing the amount of time that I was spending in a week. But the thing is, people are missing out on the true goodness of God. How many times as parents, we're sitting there looking at our phone and our child is pulling at us, mom, dad, mom, dad, and they're wanting your attention and you're like, can you just leave me alone right now? It's my time. I'm looking at, you see, I'm doing something. And all along, God's goodness is right there. It's hard to hear as a parent because I've dealt with it. I know what that feeling is like. Here's the reality about this, this fear of missing out concept. It's not new. It's not something that's new. It's what contributed to our first parents' fall. You see, Satan interjects into this beautiful scene of the Garden of Eden, and he begins to speak to Eve. God's holding out on you. Don't you realize there's so many more things that you're missing out on? If you just eat that fruit, partake of that, just disobey God, and and you'll be able to have all these good things all alone sacrificing the good relationship with Christ and with God. For believers, for believers who don't want to repeat that mistake, the key is not trying harder. It's not saying out of your flesh and out, saying out of your flesh and energy. Okay, I, I'm really committed this time. I'm going to do it this time. What happens? Eventually, you always fall back. You ever made a commitment and I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray every day this year. And then we don't one day and we're like just such a failure can't even commit to this the truth is the breakthrough only comes when you actually believe that God is good when you believe that he is for you he's not trying to beat you over the head he's not saying oh you messed up I'm for you that surrender is the channel through which his biggest and best blessings flow And that the most intellectually feasible, the most emotionally fulfilling path that you could ever take is to do exactly what God says. Because all his commandments are for your good. They're like guardrails on a winding road with a thousand foot drop. He so loves us, 
that he guides us through our relationships, our sexuality, our money, our decision-making. Keeping within his boundaries, we experience the very best because we are the object of his affection. But why don't we follow his path? Because many of us don't believe in our hearts that God is truly good. I could figure it out on my own. There's too much risk involved there. I can't see God. There's too much risk. It doesn't calculate right. Intellectually, I can't, I can't see him. I, I, I don't know what this is going to be. I know I can control these circumstances. But can you really? A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, said this, What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. He said there's a secret law of the soul that you and I will move and make decisions consciously and unconsciously toward our mental image of God. Therefore, if God is good, if, if he is not for, if not God is not good, if he's not for you, if, if you don't believe that at the core of your, of your being, then you will constantly struggle with commitment. You'll struggle with, how can I get as close to sin as possible without falling in. Don't we do that so many times? Can I push the envelope here? And ultimately, you'll never truly, fully trust God. Our fears, anxieties, relationship breakdowns, sense about the future, at the root of all of our problems, it goes back to our distorted view of God. That erroneous view gives us a distorted view of ourselves, a distorted view of relationships, and a distorted view of the future. It leads to a scarcity mentality, that there's not much to go around. I better get mine. I need this position. I must look like this. I have to own that. Otherwise, people, they won't think about me. So our significance and our security are wrapped around chasing the wind as opposed to resting in a good God we can trust. So how do we know we can trust him? Let's open our Bibles. Look at Romans 8 and 32. If you have your Bible, go ahead and pull that out. If you're using the YouVersion app, go ahead and pull that out. Let's look at this. Romans 8 and 32. Paul writes this. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for all, uh, all of us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Let's read that again. He that spared not. I'm not holding anything back here. I'm giving you everything. I'm not, I'm not holding out on you at all. He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Is that just for me? No, it's for everyone. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He hasn't held anything back from us. He is all in. He gave us everything. We just have to surrender. Surrender is the channel through which God's biggest and best blessings flow. Yeah, I talked about this relationship that I was in, and I remember 
going to this youth camp, and worship was going on, and, and uh, I was really trying to work out my relationship with the Lord. This relationship had been on for about 18 months or so, and it was still nagging at me. And I remember the, the preacher talking about, what is God asking you to give up? What is God asking you to surrender to him? And I knew it. I knew exactly what he was asking me. And he made this altar call, and the worship team began to play. And I remember going to the front over in a corner and just sitting on the floor and just crying. And going, God, I know what you're asking, and, I, and I'm just, I'm going to surrender everything to you. And I truly believe that was the day I got saved. That was the day I asked the Lord really into my heart that I really trusted him. As I sat there and I just cried and wept, it wasn't about what I was giving up. It was just about his goodness overflowing. His goodness had become overwhelming in my heart, and I'd felt him like I'd never felt before. I had made the commitment in my heart what my decision was going to be. You see, it's through surrender that God's goodness is revealed. In the English Bible, the word goodness often translates the Hebrew word tov or tuv, terms referring to that quality in God that causes him to bless people, deliver them, and store up future gifts for them. It implies a sense of delight in the one giving and the gift given. God's goodness is pleasant, desirable, fair, and generous. Psalms 84 and 11 says this, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The actions God takes and the gifts he gives us all are good things. Let's look at a story in Exodus 33 34, here's a little bit of the context. Uh, Moses has seen God's power. He's seen God do some miraculous things. I mean, some amazing, amazing, awe-inspiring things. He's seen these miraculous things, and he's, he's had this intimate relationship with him. Psalm 103 and 7 gives us a little insight. He said, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. But Moses makes this outrageous request to God. I believe it delighted God's heart. He said, show me your glory. In other words, I want to see you. You've been doing all these things in the background, but I want to see you for who you are. God just makes this statement in, in verse 20 there. He, he said, I, I, can't, I can't show you my face because anyone who sees me will die. But in Exodus 33 and 19, he says this, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. He said, I'll cause all my goodness. Isn't that interesting? Not all my holiness, not, not all my compassion, but all my goodness. What does that mean? All my goodness will pass before you. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, 
says this, within the cluster of God's moral perfections, there is one in particular, the term goodness, that points to a quality which God especially singled out from the whole when proclaiming his goodness to Moses. He spoke of himself as abundant in goodness and truth. He goes on to say, generosity expresses the simple wish that others might have what they need to be happy. See, Packer correlates this goodness, this idea of goodness, at its heart is the generosity of God. It's the generosity of God. Have you ever thought of God as generous? Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought of God as a generous God? God wants to lavish. He longs to give. At the core of his character, of God, in all his attributes, that he is generous. When you come to his infinite mind, he longs to bless. He longs to encourage. In fact, Packer says, if God is good, we have what we need to be happy. If God is good, we have what we need to be happy. But what does the world say we need to be happy? The world says that there are all these things that will make you happy someday, some way. If you eat this, if you drink this, if you work out this much, if you have these types of clothes, drive this type of car, have these types of houses, have this kind of spouse. All right, everybody's quiet, it's good. Uh, <clears throat> make this much money. All the husbands were like, um, have these types of friends, tweet this many times a day. Take this many pictures of yourself. Hold on. Go ahead and take a picture here of all of us. By smile. Hashtag preaching at word of grace. Although I got to get the right filter here. Got to bring out my eyes, you know, kind of. But, but don't we do that? We think, oh, my skin's not clear, so I need this filter to smooth out my skin. I need this and I need this to, to kind of cover my imperfections. I got to take 25 selfies to get the right one. You know, my hair's got to be just right. I need my husband to take 25 different pictures of me to get it just right. Hold on, let me see. Let me look at that. Oh, no, that's not good enough. Let's do it again. I, I, I don't know what I'm talking about here. Um, <laughs> maybe you need to f- attend this type of conference, read these kind of books, live in this type of area, attend these kinds of parties, take this kind of vacation, have these perfect little angel children that never fail. Yeah, uh exactly. When all of these things happen, then you will be happy. That's kind of how the world is, though. That's kind of what is being marketed to us. I mean, it's kind of crazy. You look up something on, on Google, or you're even talking to someone about something. You get on Facebook... And a Google ad pops up or a Facebook ad, and it's like, you just heard my conversation, and now you've got a how-to book. It's crazy. 
but it really happens. God says, you don't, you don't need all these things. He said, no, no, no. Follow me. Worship me. For I have made you. I want to give you a life with me that would bring delight to my heart and make you happy as a byproduct. That's how God thinks of you. That's how he longs for you to see him. You see, A.W. Tozer says this in the Knowledge of the Holy in his book. He says, The goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of good will towards men. He is tender-hearted and of quick sympathy. By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness. And he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. How do you react when you mess up? How do you react? Do you feel like God's arms are just crossed? Like, really? Again? I mean, come on. We just keep going over this thing. You keep screwing up. You keep coming back telling me the same thing. And I go, oh, come on. Get it together. And you go back and you do it again. I'm, I'm really tired of doing this. I'm really tired of this whole forgiveness thing. Is that how he approaches us? No. It's not how he approaches us at all. He approaches us saying, I understand. I know what temptation's like. I experienced. I walked the earth. Jesus was tempted just like all of us. He said, I'm there for you. I love you. And I'm, I'm here to forgive. When temptation comes, cry out to him for strength and mercy and forgiveness. And put it in his hands. Here's, the, here's what's behind the power of temptation. The belief that God isn't for you. Let that sink in. Temptation, the belief that God isn't for you. He isn't for me. It's the lie that real success, real fulfillment, all the things you're looking for are somewhere out there. God's keeping them from me. He's keeping that from me. That's why John the Apostle, Apostle of Love writes this, 1 John 2, 15 and 17, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Ooh. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Hmm. There are times when out of his goodness, God allows difficulties. Some of you have been through some very difficult times in life. Some of you may be in those right now. And you're like, where, where is your goodness? How can you be good and allow me to deal with this pain? Truth is, we live in a fallen, evil world where things happen that are sheer evil, but God is in the background working 
for our good if we can just trust him. I'll share a little more of my story that God reminded me of. So I started this relationship with the Lord truly. And soon after that, I found out my grandmother, who I was so close with, came down with cancer for the second time. And I began to pray like I mean, like I had never prayed before for her. I was like, I'm going to see God heal her, and this is going to be awesome. And we went through about a year of all of this. They were missionaries in Haiti, had to come back to the States. And I remember not, God not answering my prayer and her going on and passing. And I remember struggling so much. And having to work through anger, bitterness, resentment, trust issues. God, where are you? I mean, you were there for me in the, that corner. I felt you. I know you. I know you hear me. I see in your word where you heal people. But what's going on with this? The thing is, it pushed me further into a relationship with him because I was searching. And I began to search and search and search. And it caused this hunger in me to search for him like I'd never searched before. You're going to deal with difficult times that cause, that cause that to leap into a deeper relationship with him. The scripture says that God disciplines every son, every daughter that he loves. It's out of his goodness. It's out of his kindness. He doesn't want you to, to miss out. He disciplined me through that. As you walk uprightly on God's path, here's what you can say. I have, I have no fear of missing out because on this path, God will never withhold what is best for me. That's a statement of faith. That's a promise to claim. It will change the course of your life if you actually come to believe that from your head down to your heart. Then obedience will be completely different. Trusting him becomes completely different. The fear of the future, I always have some, will begin to dissipate. Because if God has your best in mind, if God truly has my best in mind, and he is sovereign, he is an all-wise God, and he is leaning forward on his throne to bless your life and to help you, our response will be whatever he says. That's what I'll do. If I truly believe that, if you believe that God is so good, wanting to give your responses, God, whatever you want, whatever you want, I'm trusting you, I'm following you. That doesn't mean that you won't have some emotional fear. It doesn't mean the front end might be really hard, but it means that you can trust his promises because he is a good God. He reveals his goodness in many ways. But I want to point out three ways that he does that. Number one, God reveals his goodness to us through his natural blessings. His natural blessings. Psalm 
145, 7 through 9 says, They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord, the Lord is good in, to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Does the all include you? Yes. It's all of us. Yes, he is good to all. This little phrase is repeated all through the Old Testament. The word is hest. It's a steadfast, loyal, commitment, love to give your best. That's how God is with his creation. Skip on down to 16 and 17. It says, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and fulfill it and fulfill it and faithful in all that he does. We need to pause to look around and see his hand. When was the last time you sat and watched the sunset? I remember when I first moved here, I uh, worked out at the Whistling Straits golf course for a summer cutting some grass. I hate grass now. <laughs> Absolutely just ruined my whole love for grass. But uh, I remember watching uh, the sunrise over Lake Michigan every morning, and I would stop. And it caused me to worship God because I was just like, how big you are. Wow. It was amazing. That's the only thing I miss about that place. But it was just, it was amazing. When's the last time you took a walk? Just look at nature. When's the last time you sat at a park and watched kids who hadn't been already indoctrinated to worry? They have no cares. They're just having fun. They're just playing. They're not worried. They're not stressed. They're not going, I wonder what I'm going to wear tomorrow. I wonder what we're going to eat tonight. I wonder if so-and-so is doing this. Let me look at my phone see what's going on. They're just having fun. One of the most powerful ways you can begin to believe and experience God's goodness is to continually celebrate that God is good to all. Every good and perfect gift comes from him, even the little ones. God has given us more than we need simply for survival in this world. We're not in survival mode. He has given us pleasure, beauty, and meaning. Every relationship, every job, every tree, every flower, every moment is a sign of his compassion. Every corner of your world and every part of your day can remind you of his goodness if you will only begin to look for it. When you're in God's creation, you can't miss seeing him. Paul talks about this in Romans 1.20. He says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has, ma has been made so that people are without excuse. You, can not, not, you cannot deny God's goodness when you spend time in his creation. That's what I love about hunting. 
I'm kind of getting soft as I get older. It's not really about killing anything. It's just about being there and watching animals just go about what they do every day and just being there as a spectator. There's just so much I can see, and, and it makes my heart worship when I'm there. Second part, God reveals his goodness to us through specific deliverances. Let's look at Psalm 107. Uh, in this classic pas- passage on uh, the goodness of God uh, in the Old Testament, it, it's a long psalm. We're not going to read it all, so I'll just break it down a little bit. I encourage you to study. If you're reading the book, Chip actually encourages you to read through Psalm 107, and I, and I did it this week, and it was uh, a very emotional time to read through that for me. Uh, the psalm, this psalm opens with a call to honor God's goodness. Uh, verse 1 and 2 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those He redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those He gathered from the lands. From east and west, from north and south. Then it goes on. There's, there's uh, four specific vignettes. In each one of these vignettes, people find themselves in impossible situations. In three of the four, they are desperate because of their own doing, their own sin. In the fourth one, God seems to be working sovereignly through some sailors. And the process in each one is the same. They cry out to the Lord in the midst of their desperation, and the Lord delivers, delivers, delivers. Then there is a repeated phrase that says, let them give thanks to the Lord for he is good. The psalm is written to groups of people who have missed God's goodness. They're focused on circumstances. Their lives aren't working. The only solution is to pull back and realize in the midst of our trouble in in the past, one of the ways that God expresses his goodness is that he delivers us. He reaches in and delivers us, even though we don't deserve it. The psalm ends with verse 43 this way. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. It says those who are wise. Wisdom is understanding how God designed life to work and following that design. Wisdom says there is a path that God has established for how relationships work. Wisdom says I'm going to follow that path. Wisdom says when I have made a mistake, here's the path of reconciliation and forgiveness. I'll follow that path. There's a way that seems right to humans, but it ends in death. And there's a path that is the Lord's his fullness of joy where his pleasures are forever when we go through things even some self-inflicted because of our sin nature God is there when we cry out to him he acts because he is merciful and because he is good he longs for you to get to know him when you crash we ever crashed before why? Because God is for you. 
He wants to bless you generously. Once you start keeping track of God's goodness, you will find you can't keep up. His blessings through nature are countless. His rescues are continuous. There is no safer person to go to in the universe. There is no sure source of deliverance or blessing than God's goodness. And yet, beyond all this evidence, the apex of God's revelation for his goodness is through his son. It's the third one. God demonstrates his goodness through his son. Jesus is the proof of God's goodness. He's the proof. His goodness was made evident before we did anything. There's not a cause and effect here. Romans 5 and 8 says, For God demonstrated his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It says, while we were still sinners, not after we had cleaned up our act. How many times do you want to do that? You want to clean things up before you go to God. You want to fix it yourself. God wants you in your messiness. Not when we act better or we don't have any problems. He says, while you and I were rebels and we could have been far from good and angry or we could be a passively indifferent rebel thinking we, we don't need him. Both are rebellion. In that moment, in that state, Christ demonstrates his love for you and for me. He died in your place. It's the proof of God's goodness. Jesus is the guarantee of future goodness. He's the guarantee. The proof of present goodness is the cross. The guarantee of future goodness is the cross. It's that simple. Romans 8, 32 says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He has loved you. He has rescued you. He has paid for you. How will he not give you wisdom to be in the right relationship, give you direction for the right job, give you grace in the midst of difficult situations. I've shared bits and pieces of my story today. But God showed me what happened over the last 20 years. During this whole time when I was around 14, there was a man in my life who saw something in me. He had told me that God was calling me to be in ministry one day. To a 14-year-old, it's like, yeah, whatever. And he said, no. He said, you are. Sometime after that, um, some things happened in the church. He was hurt, and he just fell away from the Lord. It's hard to watch a mentor of yours. I 
Another thing was happening during this time. The whole time I was dating that girl, this is something that you won't believe, but it's okay. There were three times that I met my wife and never knew her and never knew and never saw her face. We were literally in the same huddle of people in the same conversation. I saw the guy, never saw her. There was a different time we rode on a parade float together and there was a Christmas tree that divided us and we sat by, beside each other, never knew each other. There was another time I actually went to her house to one of her brother's birthday parties. She was there in the same circle, never saw her face. And God reminded me of that because we had, we had conversations later on. And it was like this image of God saying, I have what's good for you if you'll release what I'm asking you and surrender. My grandmother passed. And during this time, there was a lady that was living out her singleness. There was a praying woman that loved the Lord. And soon after my grandmother died, my grandfather married her. And now she's in the midst of cancer right now with a family that has been through that with someone else that understands that and is supporting her with a spouse who knows what it's like. That's God's goodness. This past year, I had the opportunity to conduct my grandfather's funeral. This is the other part of the story that God reminded me of. The man that I told you was my mentor early on in life, when I was about 14, was in the crowd. You see, because my grandfather had led him to the Lord years ago. And I saw him and I had the opportunity in the middle of the memorial service to call him out and say that the reason I'm standing here is because you were obedient and speaking into my life and starting something in my heart that I could not shake. And God is good and he sees you, he knows you, and he's worked through you. And he's still there loving you. You see, to see all these stories come around over the last 20 years of my life, I began to sit and weep and go, God, few people get to see the last 20 years of the life and see how he's worked amongst them to go, I'm working through all of these things. I'm working through a lady who's single. She's been single for 15 years. And she's going to be there to support someone one day. And then again, their family's going to be there to support her during a tough time. I'm going to be there for when a man is, is torn up and damaged from just the church. And I'm going to be there 20 years later for you to stand in front of him and tell him that I still love him and tell him that I still want a relationship with him and he's not damaged goods. 
God's goodness is sitting there showing me my wife that I can't see multiple times while asking me to surrender the thing I didn't want to surrender. You see, there is nothing that's meaningless in life, guys. Many times we look at these things and we think they're meaningless. Many times we're searching for relationships when we're single and we're trying to force things and force things and we don't understand why things are not working. The question is, have you truly surrendered your heart to him? Because it's only in surrender can you see his goodness. He can't give you all his goodness until you surrender to him. But he's working for each individual person. He's working for each one of us in the background. And we can't see and we don't notice. The question this morning is, what is he asking of you? What is it that he's asking you to give him? Do you have to make a decision like I did as a 14-year-old man to just go, God, I just surrender everything. I need a relationship with you. I need to feel your love. Is he asking you to give up your fight for dogmatically finding a mate? To just say, I want to love you where you are. I want to have that relationship with you because I do have that person for you. I'm not wanting to let you see them yet because I need your heart. It's not time for you yet. Are you going through a difficult situation right now that you need to realize God is good in this situation even though it's tough? And I've allowed my heart to get bitter. Have you got some wounds from the past that you've been blaming God about? You need to realize, and you need to stop and realize that's wrong of me because there are so many things I don't see. There's so many things that I don't understand. And I'm trusting you that you're good. And even though it hurts so bad, I'm willing to forgive and release that today. Can we close our eyes for three minutes? Three minutes. And just do business individually with God. Search your heart. Search your heart. Say, God, what is it that you're, you're wanting me to surrender to you? What is it that you're wanting me to give you? Some of you may need to start that relationship with Christ today. Do it. Make it right today. Don't leave this place. It's the most important step you could ever make. So God, I've been doing this church thing for a long time. I've been checking the box. I'm tired of checking the box. It just leaves me lonely. It leaves me confused because I realize I'm missing that relationship with you. I realize I need to truly believe that you are for me, that you truly died for me.
that you truly want to forgive me. Some of you may be wrapped up in sin right now. Going, how could God forgive me for what I've done? What I'm actively doing. He can. He will. Give it to him today. It's God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Some of this may be the most important three minutes of your life. Father, we love you. God, we love you. We thank you. You are so good. Forgive us, Lord, for not seeing it. Forgive us, Father. Holy Spirit, work on every heart in this place, every heart that may be watching online. I pray we would do business with you right now. God, we love you. We thank you. Your love is uncomprehendable. Your goodness is uncomprehendable. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.